In 2008 November, we visited Australia. Uh, so in 2008 we did two international travels. In April we went to Spain, and November we went to Australia. So this the title of this podcast is Australia Diary. My wife Nandini Nimkar was invited to give a keynote address at the seventh international conference on safflower in Australia. Hence, we thought this could be an excellent opportunity to go and visit the beautiful country, especially the Great Barrier Reef in northeast Australia. The journey started in Cairns, a nice small town in Queensland province, which is becoming very touristy. The central part of the town is lovely with great eating places and is a cross between Miami and a hill station. We stayed in a nice backpackers hostel called Dreamtime, tucked in a small quiet lane. Just opposite the railway station and the biggest shopping mall in Cairns. Every day there are only a few trains coming to Cairns, and hence there was hardly any noise from the station. The weather during late October and early November is lovely in Cairns, springtime, and thus was perfect for ocean trip and visit to other parts of area. The ocean trip is not for people who suffer from motion sickness, as our younger daughter Madhura did. She got sick partly because of cold weather, and cold water, and partly because of motion sickness. The snorkeling was great, and it allowed us to get a feeling for the beauty of the Great Barrier Reef system. The waters are unbelievably clear, and the sun was really bright. In some parts of the Barrier Reef, there were small islands called Kays, just few meters square, which become islands only during low tides. Otherwise, they are they were submerged in ocean. We went to one called Upolu Cay. The shallow sea, white sands, and reefs all around the island is literally a paradise, so well pictureized and photographed in all travel brochures. The tour tour to Great Barrier Reef is a must, and is written up as one of the ten things to do before one dies. The Great Barrier Reef is one of the seven natural wonders of the world, and the only natural system. Visible, visible from space. Northeast part of Australia, called Daintree Rainforest, is a lush tropical area with massive rainfall, and is the World Heritage Site. It is supposed to be the oldest rainforest in the world. Hence, besides the Great Barrier Reef, it is also wonderful to visit this area. Part of it has been cut and converted into agricultural land. Still, some places have been left untouched. And those we visited, the other areas where the forest has been cleared are used for growing sugarcane, fruits, and other cash crops. Because of high rainfall, the rainforest almost touches the sea in Cape Tribulation, a lovely small town with beautiful beaches. Being remote, it is still relatively underdeveloped. The electricity situation in the Cape is pretty grim. It is just like some parts of India, where they get three to four hours of electricity. Mostly diesel-powered generators provide electricity to shops and hotels. With so much biomass, they should be able to produce good amount of electricity. Instead, they are going for solar PV systems, which might not work since four to five months of the year monsoons there is no sun. Nevertheless, with small towns dotting this area and with not too much development, it is nature lovers' paradise with enormous diversity of flora. And fauna. 
We also visited Etherton Tablelands, a raised area below Cairns, which is the southern part of Daintree Forest. This area is very productive and is a food basket of Australia. The whole tableland and the Daintree rainforest needs at least a month to thoroughly explore it. There are hundreds of waterfalls and rapids. Hence, our four-day trip was wholly inadequate to see the wonderful nature. Nevertheless, this visit to some of the well-known waterfalls provided us a glimpse and a sense of beauty of that area. The birds in this part of Australia are very colourful, big and with huge repertoire of songs. That, thus, it is a veritable bird lover's paradise. They are fed continuously by tourists and so have become bold and used to their presence. On a visit to Botanical Garden in Cairns, I was sitting on a bench when a blackbird brought in a grasshopper on its, in its beak and put it in front of me, probably thinking that I'll offer it a piece of bread. Immediately a kookaburra flew in and grabbed the grasshopper. Thereafter a big fight ensued between the two birds which was worth watching and quite hilarious. Similarly, during one of our picnic lunches, a sunbird came and had ate a piece of bread from our plate. It would not touch any meat or salad. On all our trips, we saw a large number of girls traveling individually or in groups in most of these places. There were relatively few males. Probably it is, a very, it is very safe for girls to travel in Australia and part, partly this is an era of female power. There is a tremendous amount of smoking among young girls in Australia and hence it is difficult to sit in public places because of this pollution. Older Australian generation also complains about the younger generation's penchant for drinking. It is a major problem among Australian teenagers. We visited Sydney for 3-4 days and stayed in the centre of Sydney and close to Opera House. It is a lovely compact city to visit for few days but quite expensive to live in. The usual touristy places of Harbour Bridge, Darling Harbour, Sydney Opera House and Bondi Beach are worth visiting. With cool clear nights, it is a lovely city and visitors delight. Sydney also has a very large Chinese and Indian population. Australians are very friendly people. For example, whenever we seem to be lost and were looking for directions in our maps, somebody or other would come to help us without our asking. Such a thing is unheard of in US or other European countries. Wagga Wagga, where the conference was taking place, is a nice, nice small town in New South Wales province. With its population of about 60,000, it is a big city according to Australian standards, but small according to Indians. The main industry is agriculture, though few light industries are coming along. Wagga Wagga is an Aborigine word for many crows. In Aborigine language, the plural is always denoted by repeating the word. The train journey from Sydney to Wagga Wagga takes around 6 hours. With high speed trains, it should not take more than 2 to 2.5 hours. The train system in Australia emulates the America, American one and thus most of the people travel by car. Nevertheless, the journey was beautiful and it went through Blue Mountain region and ended with parched tableland of Wagga Wagga. Because of recent drought in most of the Australia, the lands around Wagga Wagga were quite dry. Still, it is these small towns which are delightful to live in and offer one of the highest standard living standards anywhere in the world. Drought, drought conditions are also promoting 
Australia to explore the possibility of growing safflower, a drought-resistant crop on large scale and hence hosting of international conference at Wagawaga. The conference was good with all the safflower researchers around the world getting together once in three years to take stock of the R&D activities in safflower. Nandini's keynote speech was carried nicely in the local mass media. The Wagawaga airport is small and only two airlines, Qantas and Rex Air fly from here. The air journey from Wagawaga to Sydney took about an hour and was over the beautiful blue mountain landscape dotted with innumerable lakes. Wagawaga has a good number of eating places. On the last day of our stay, we ate in an Indian restaurant. The food was passable and the service was horrible, with the owner extremely rude. Besides, it was overpriced. I have always found that Indian restaurants abroad are generally overpriced with no great fare to offer. Contrast that with the excellent Chinese fast food, which is very tasty, cheap and comes with excellent service. The quality of life in Australia seemed somehow, somehow higher than that in America, and flying is the pleasure. For example, for the flight from Wagawaga Waga to Sydney, there was no security. After a check-in, we just went to the gate and boarded the plane. However, in big cities, airports, they do have elaborate security systems, but still the security staff are polite, something that Americans should learn. The Charles Sturt University, which was the venue of the conference at Wagawaga, Waga, is a nice small university located in the hill, on the hill in an otherwise flat land. The university is known for its agriculture and veterinary science. It, is also, it also boasts of excellent wine and cheese making expertise. We sampled these products at the extension center. Since kangaroos and eucalyptus trees are almost everywhere in Australia, we, sub, we saw a couple of kangaroos on the university campus also. A local professor told us that in the evening at sunset, the kangaroos line up at the compound fencing. The facilities available in the small towns in Australia are of, are of such high order that it is really good to live in these towns. The excellent medical facilities, schooling, electricity, communications and small universities do provide necessary infrastructure to have a fruitful life and yet be attached to the soil since these are mostly rural based towns. The big cities like Melbourne, Sydney etc are vibrant and lovely to visit but quite costly to stay in. There are very few Australian things that we saw. Mostly it is like mini USA. The large helpings in its restaurants, the, heating, the eating habits, car culture, shopping malls, the obesity of Australians are, remind, are reminders of US culture imported en masse. It was very difficult to get any authentic Aboriginal handicrafts. Only in some weekend shopping areas like the rocks in the Sydney where some of these things are available. Also, we hardly saw any native Aborigines. The population is all white with very few natives or people of mixed parentage in evidence. The quality of drinking water from the taps and the level of cleanliness everywhere was very high and is a hallmark of a high quality of life. The first thing that strikes anybody going out of India to the advanced countries is the cleanliness. Australia is a cricket crazy country. Everybody including taxi drivers, bus drivers, hotel staff and Australian scientists talked to us about cricket. Part of the reason was that we were Indians 
and their team was visiting India and was being thrashed. Nevertheless, the fact of Aussie team being beaten by India was always taken in a sporting spirit and one wonders why the decency of average Aussie is not shown in the behaviour of the cricket team. On November 4, every year, whole Australia comes to a halt. It is a day of Melbourne Cup or horse racing. How a two and a half minutes event shuts down the whole country is a typical Australian phenomenon, unparalleled anywhere else. Everyone told us to be near a TV set at 3 p.m. on November 4 to see the race and be a part of the craziness.